0: Welcome back to the Bitcoin Layer. I'm Nick Batia. Breaking news CNBC reporting that Bitcoin ETFs will start trading on Thursday after a Wednesday approval. We'll get into that at the end of the episode, but today I want to focus on the Federal Reserve and the potential early end to quantitative tightening. Okay guys, let's dive right in. We got news over the weekend as well as early this morning that the Fed is strongly considering the end of QT, way ahead of schedule. So I want to break down what is QT, we'll start with that, and why is the Fed potentially going to end QT and what does that mean for the rest of financial markets? The Bitcoin Layer is proud to be sponsored by River. Go check them out today at river.com/tbl for a special offer of up to $100 worth of Bitcoin for free when you go sign up. Now, River is a Bitcoin only exchange. They do not keep your Bitcoin on a third party storage solution they have their own method of storing bitcoin they also recommend that you get your bitcoin into cold storage once it's purchased they allow you to use lightning network and there's these great features including a recurring purchase on the hour you can send bitcoin to your friends and family now via text message go check them out today at river.com tbl so let's start with this quote from the current president of the dallas fed She has a background of working with the markets desk at the New York Fed, so something that we should definitely be paying attention to. She says, So given the rapid decline of the overnight reverse repo facility, I think it's appropriate to consider the parameters that will guide a decision to slow the runoff of our assets. In my view, we should slow the pace of runoff as overnight reserve repo balances approach a low level. Normalizing the balance sheet more slowly can actually help get a more efficient balance sheet in the long run by smoothing redistribution and reducing the likelihood that we'd have to stop prematurely. Now, there is a lot to unpack in this statement, and for those that aren't so familiar with balance sheet dynamics at the Fed, a lot of this might seem like a foreign language to you, but we'll do our best to break it down and really explain what she is talking about. So there is a word here, redistribution, that I want to get into with regard to SOFR. We're going to do that. I have a chart on SOFR and what she means by redistribution. But first, let us go to the chart of reverse repo balances. So in this quote where you see O-N-R-R-P, that stands for overnight reverse repo. What the overnight reverse repo facility is, something that the Federal Reserve has offered to the market for the last several years. It is supposed to behave as a floor rate, the policy floor, meaning that the Federal Reserve does not want rates to go below the rate that it offers in RRP. Now, why would this happen? If you were a money market fund and you saw a reverse repo rate at 5.3%, this means if you put your cash with the Fed overnight, they will return you an annualized rate of 5.3%, Right, so one-day rate, so you can take... 5.3 percent and divide it by about 365 to get the actual interest that they would accrue over one night and the alternative to putting your cash at the fed and mind you it's even secured by treasury collateral not that you would necessarily need it for the fed but it is a reverse repo transaction so when you post cash to the fed they send you a treasury security as collateral for the night. And the next day, they return your cash plus interest, and you return the treasury security. In that arrangement, you are basically entitled to a risk-free overnight rate with the Fed. That is what the purpose of the RRP is. I like to think of it like a parking spot for cash. And not just any parking spot, but the safest parking spot in the market and it is only a one-day agreement, so you get your cash back the next day. There's basically no risk. So what do we have? We have about $2 trillion at one point last year that found its way into this facility. Now let's bring up a chart of the reverse repo facility over the last few years. What we see here is a sharp decline from levels over $2 trillion to now just above one half of $1 trillion. Now this rapid decline in the reverse repo facility is cash that is leaving the Fed on an overnight basis and going somewhere else. So where is the cash going? Well, one of the main places it's going is treasury bills. We recommend you guys check out our recent episode, one of our last episodes of the year with Andy Constant in which he breaks down really beautifully the differences between reserves, reverse repo, the treasury general account, and all these components of the Fed's balance sheet. So if you want a deeper dive, go check out that episode. What we have here now is with reverse repo declining, the reverse repo facility is receiving the brunt of the Fed balance sheet runoff. Now, what do we mean by that? Let's bring up a chart of the Fed's balance sheet. Now, what you can see here is that over the last couple years, where we've marked QT2 on the graph, the decline in the Fed's balance sheet from about $8.5 trillion to about $7 trillion today is largely coming out of this reverse repo facility. So why are Fed officials worried about the size of the balance sheet? It's because once RRP gets to zero, the decline in the balance sheet will come from other places, namely reserves. Okay, Back to the quote here from Lori Logan, the Dallas Fed member. She says that we should slow the pace of runoff as overnight reverse repo balances approach a low level. Now, we don't know what a low level is, but let's assume that it's somewhere in the 100 to $300 billion range. That means that at the current pace of runoff, we could see... RRP falling to that low level in just a couple months. And in fact, that is what we are starting to see. Banks are coming out and predicting the early end of QT as early as March. So I want to bring up a couple comments that I received over the weekend and this morning from investment houses on Wall Street just to give you guys a sense of what the investment banks are looking for from the Fed as the RRP does fall to zero. First, we'll start with J.P. Morgan. Now, J.P. Morgan put out this research note over the weekend. If form holds and the Fed replicates their 2019 plan, we think the Fed could formally announce a plan to slow the pace of QT at the March meeting with implementation in May and QT coming to an end by September. Now here's the key. This would result in only 390 billion of passive treasury runoff this year versus a prior forecast of 720 billion. Now that that is the key here to take away. Remember that what QT, what happens in QT is that the Fed when it has treasuries that are maturing, it does not go back to the market and replenish. And in that way, its holdings decline. Now, this year was expected to see $720 billion of treasuries come off of the Fed's balance sheet as they mature and the Fed didn't replenish. What JP Morgan is saying here is that only $390 billion are expected to run off the Fed's balance sheet. It means that today versus just a few weeks ago, we have an additional $300 of purchases by the Fed of Treasury securities expected in 2024. We believe that this is very important to recognize what's happening with all the Treasuries that have come to the market and will continue to come to the market with massive trillion-dollar-plus deficits. The amount of Treasuries... ...that are going to hit the market, and by the market I mean private hands, anybody that's not the Federal Reserve is going to overwhelm the capacity of the current layout. And what that means is when treasuries come to market and the auctions happen... Somebody has to buy those securities. And if the Fed is not, the private market does. If the private market is, the private market has to fund. Not only does the private market have to fund these purchases, but then the private market, a lot of that money isn't available today. The private market has to fund the purchases not with cash, but through the repo market. And if treasuries are being financed through the repo market, that means that other money market investors are going to dedicate funds to treasury repo at investment banks because attractive spreads will be offered. That money might not be able to find its way into commercial paper, which is short-term credit for corporations, and on down the line. So this is the crowding out effect that we have been going on and on about. Crowding out means that too many treasuries are coming to the market and there's not enough room. So somebody will be crowded out. Somebody will not have a seat. And that means somebody will not get funded. And we don't believe that somebody is the U.S. government. So it's going to be somewhere else in the risk market. Now, we talk about funding. We talk about banks, and specifically investment banks, funding treasury purchases via the repo market So now let me get into this SOFR chart and we'll explain to you guys what SOFR is and what we're looking for from this indicator. Okay SOFR stands for the Secured Overnight Funding Rate or Secured Overnight Financing Rate. Now this funding rate or financing rate it refers to a repo rate, specifically Treasury repo. So if I am an investment bank, let's say City or JP Morgan, and I'm a primary dealer, that means I have to come to the Treasury auction and clean up whatever wasn't purchased. I'm legally obligated to do that. Now do I, as City have all the cash to pay for those Treasuries right away? The answer is no. So I go to the repo market to find that money. Now, what rate do I use to finance that, those treasury purchases? Well, I'm going to use the treasury repo rate that, it, that is available to me in the market. And what is SOFR? SOFR is simply a look-back average of yesterday's treasury repo deals. So you have a bunch of banks that have to finance treasuries every day. They go to the market. They finance the treasuries. They submit those rates at which they financed to the Fed, and the Fed basically averages these rates and publishes it once a day. So it's not a traded rate. It's not a market moving rate, but it's a one-day look-back rate, very similar to LIBOR. And what is SOFR? It is the new version of LIBOR. LIBOR stood for the London Interbank Offered Rate. This was the interbank financing rate of bank-to-bank without any collateral, so a non-secured rate. But the S in SOFR stands for secured, and secured means collateralized by treasury securities. So it's still a funding rate, and a lot of it does take place between banks, So, but it's not solely an interbank rate. It's a market rate of treasury repo, and that financing can come from banks or the private market, and those rates are averaged and published by the Fed. So that's what SOFR is, and it's the Fed's policy duty to keep SOFR between its policy window rates, which are the upper bound and the lower bound. So when the Fed raises or lowers rates, what you hear is that the Fed raised or lowered its target range by 25 basis points. And so look at this chart. The green line here is the discount rate. The maroon line here is the reverse repo rate. And what you have between the maroon line and the discount rate in green is you have this window. The Fed is willing to lend money to you at 5.5% if you're a bank. The Fed is willing to give you interest. So take your loan at 5.3% and in that way all financing should in theory get done between 5.3 and 5.5%. And so that's where you see Sofer in orange here ticking between 5.3 and 5.5. Now notably over the year end turn, we saw Sofer spike to 5.4. This had some of us watching it very closely, but we did believe that it was a calendar effect, meaning that around the end of the year, there are positions that need to get financed, and sometimes banks have to pay up to get those positions financed, hence the spike to 5.4. But now what you see is the rate is back at 5.31, right where the Fed wants it, and right in line with Fed Funds, which is at 5.33%. Again, Fed Funds is basically a look back of what the financing rate between banks was for the reserve balances themselves. So we see that back in line. Now you know what SOFR is. So let's go back to the word redistribution the Dallas Fed President, Logan, was talking about. Now when she says redistribution, what she means is when money comes out of RRP, It will go somewhere else. Does it go to treasury bills? Does it go to finance other broker-dealers in the treasury repo market and end up in this SOFR calculation? We don't know where, but the money does get redistributed throughout the system. And so when it does go into SOFR or other forms of treasury repo, we shouldn't see SOFR increase. In rate, Because if it does, that means there's not enough money to go around in the repo market. And that's the danger. So we'll look to the Fed's standing repo facility. This is the SRF, the standing repo facility. This is the other side of RRP, where the Fed is willing to lend money to anybody that wants to borrow that has treasury collateral. And that standing repo facility is something that might get used if reserves are not plentiful or if there is not enough money market cash to go around. So there are a lot of moving parts here. We have SOFR that we're going to watch to see as if SOFR stays in line. If SOFR creeps up, it means there's a shortage somewhere. If banks start using the standing repo facility, it means there's a shortage somewhere. And so what President Logan is talking about from the Dallas Fed, she's saying that if the redistribution is done slowly, we're able to better normalize money markets as our balance sheet declines. And so now, back to the punchline here. What is happening? An early end to QT as reserves and repo both going down at the same time does appear to be something that the Fed is immediately worried about. Now, let's go into one more investment bank research division to give you guys a little bit more insight. We're going to stick with the Bank of Montreal here, and let's see what BMO had to say about the Logan comments as well as the end of QT. So, Specifically, President Logan revealed that she favors slowing down the pace of runoff as overnight reverse repo balances approach a low level. Reverse repo uptake has declined from $1.3 trillion to just shy of $700 billion. Even assuming the pace of RRP uptake will slow, it will undoubtedly reach very low levels within the first half of this year. So BMO expects QT to last until the later part of 2024, so ending later this year. But with the regional banking crisis still fresh in mind, the Fed may want to end QT on the early side. Now, this is something that we're going to write about tonight, and it's going to be in your inbox tomorrow morning. Make sure to subscribe to our research letter at thebitcoinlayer.com slash subscribe. The banking crisis of March is the big 800-pound gorilla in the room. It's what the Fed cannot ignore. If reserves and reverse repo continue to decline, there will be a shortage somewhere, right? We talked about redistribution. So the money will go to fund other broker-dealers' treasury positions. It will go to fund the U.S. government via treasury bills. And it will end up in other money market instruments, But how do small banks react to the decline in reserve balances? Well, they faced a crisis in March and needed a bailout facility. So this is what we are watching. Now, what I would hope for from you guys at home, let us know what we explained today, if that makes sense, and what you want to know about the decline in the Fed's balance sheet, the end of QT, and how that interacts with SOFR and other corners of the repo market. Now, I mentioned that the end of QT happening early is something that was not priced in only just a few months ago. So what has changed? Well, the Fed is pivoting. The Fed is pivoting here, and that is the big takeaway. We're asking now, if QT is ending, is QE next? Next. And it really dovetails what we discussed toward the end of last year, which is that if rate hikes have been paused, the next move is definitely cuts. So while the Fed is in the media talking about the specific money market metrics that it's watching, we are more thinking cyclically and trying to get you to understand here that if the hikes happen and they were paused, the next move is cuts. And if the balance sheet decline is paused, the next move is up. Now, there is nothing, let's be very clear, there is nothing today that suggests QE is coming around the corner. I don't want to make it sound like we believe QE is coming now or even soon. But the Fed cannot do QE, meaning it cannot go balance sheet expansion mode and money printing mode without at least stopping QT and having some reason for ending QT. So all of that is happening now. It does set the table for QE in the next potential financial plumbing crisis, which we had one in March of 2023. We could have one again in 2024. So this sets the table for QE then, but the Fed cannot go straight from QT to QE it has to un it has to slow QT and then it has to stop QT so that it can increase the size of the balance sheet when it eventually does plan to do. Now, I want to bring back the chart of the Fed's balance sheet one last time to show you what happened during QT1. Now, let's look 2018-2019 QT1. We had a repo crisis in September 2019, and then we had balance sheet expansion at the end of 2019, before the pandemic panic began. And so what you have to remember here is that QE doesn't happen in the middle of QT. So we are in the middle of a massive Fed pivot. They have been extremely tight on monetary policy since the beginning of 2022. Two years of very tight policy now heading into moderate policy and about to head into easy policy. That easy policy will be rate cuts, the end of QT, and then potentially later, an expansion of the Fed's balance sheet. But remember, nothing today warrants the expansion of the Fed's balance sheet. Rather, it's something that the end of QT is a precursor for. Now, We hope that you guys have learned a lot about the Fed today and its balance sheet. We want your questions, so make sure you send those to us. Subscribe to our research letter. We put out a free research letter every week that really goes through a lot of these interest rate and money market dynamics to get you more education and more equipment in order to make your investment decisions. And I promised here that we talk about Bitcoin. So let's finish with Bitcoin and the news that This week, we will finally get trading of spot ETFs. And remember, these ETFs have depository receipts. They must legally own the Bitcoin. You at home, if you own a share, cannot take delivery of the Bitcoin, but you are the legal owner of a trust that has depository receipts of real Bitcoin held with custodians that face audits. So... It is a very big deal. We have trillions and trillions in assets under management that are for the first time going to have access to Bitcoin. We have estimates of anywhere north of 100 billion in inflows this year. And remember, Bitcoin is only a $900 billion asset. So 100 billion in inflows to a market that is very small will definitely put upward pressure on the price. But the big, big takeaway here is that. Everybody, you and I included, we had many years to front run the full and open Wall Street access to Bitcoin. So now we are separating the pre-ETF and the post-ETF Bitcoin eras, and nobody knows how much demand will be unlocked with these new vehicles. So... We're not here to make any radical price predictions, but we want to make sure that you guys at home understand that this ETF era does really conclude a 15-year youth run for Bitcoin. It has entered a club of asset classes in which it was previously not a part of. And what we're looking for from Bitcoin in 2024 is a massive year of institutional inflows and acceptance that this asset class is here not only to stay, but to dominate the monetary landscape for years and decades to come. Thanks for watching today at the Bitcoin Layer. Definitely subscribe to our channel. Catch us on our research letter at thebitcoinlayer.com slash subscribe, and we hope to see you next time. The Bitcoin Layer is very proud to be sponsored by River. Go check them out today for a special offer at river.com TBL for up to $100 worth of Bitcoin for free. River is a Bitcoin only exchange, and we want you guys to make sure you are getting allocated in the safest way possible. Go check them out today.